Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Command Point Podcast, episode number 43. My name's Ryan. Today I'm here with Shane. Shane, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well. How about you? I am I am doing okay. Um just okay. Yeah, just okay. I just watched the Bucks lose in game 6 to the uh Boston Celtics. So hopefully they'll be able to get it done this Sunday. Bit let down by that, but there is a lot of fun stuff to be looking forward to when it comes to uh Kill Team and other other games workshop games. Yeah, I mean, just other games in general. But uh, yes. we did have a big old, uh, we had that big stream the other day. And I mean, I guess before we start getting into topics, um, what's, uh, what's, what's new in the hobby front? What have you been, what have you been hobbying? Well, what are you working on? What I, what's on my workbench right now is a, another Redemptor Dreadnought for my Ultramarines for 40k. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Some of our listeners may not know because you know we're I, we've primarily been a kill team focused uh, podcast and YouTube channel, but uh, Redemptor Dreadnoughts in uh, in Warhammer Forty Thousand they are really really good for Space Marines. It is uh, it is dumb, yeah, how good they are. Um, they're they're the backs of these Dreadnoughts uh, must be absolutely sore by the amount of carrying they have done for this faction it's ridiculous so so i've never really had to put together a like a big miniature really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um how how difficult are those to like to, to do like a big dreadnought or like a vehicle or something mm. are, are those typically easier like no no i would say that they're much harder than um yeah, than putting together just like a marine or something um the with the Redemptor Dreadnought, there's a lot of like flat armor panels um, that you need to be careful when you're cutting them off the sprue because it's it's very easy to take like like little tiny chunks out of it around the edges where the sprue is attached to just like this flat panel essentially. So kind of something to look out for. You got to be careful with that. Yeah. Um, so, and then. Uh... I, I haven't oh. touched it in forever, but I I also have a Primaris Executioner like battle tank for the uh for the Ultramarines as well. And I haven't touched that because when I was assembling it, um I just did it wrong and there's like a huge gap going down the entire side of it that I've been meaning to just like fill with green stuff or milliput or something. And I just mm-hmm. haven't touched it in probably like two years. So, ah. but I mean, oh, the tank isn't good right now in the game anyway, so I'm just like not going to touch it until it's good. <laughs> fair. Perfectly fair. Um, for me, I've been torn between a couple things right now, a couple little projects. So for kill team wise, I actually just before I got on this call, I've been building up and assembling the, the Corsair Void Scarred team. Nice. That uh, I've had the sprues like since the box came out, and I, and I was looking at them the other day, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I should really do this <laughs> at some point." Uh, and I've been working on them. I was just working on the uh, on the duelist, who's for some reason his legs were just bothering. I don't like the way that guy stands. He's got a very wide, wide stance. Uh, and <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the models are pretty straightforward. The fell arc is kind of a um a mess of pieces but 
outside of that, all the normal specialists seem pretty easy so far. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing super noteworthy about that. Um, and then on the other side, I've I've been working on that uh, on the clone trooper half of that Star Wars Legion box, or not the clone trooper. Um, you're doing the clones. I'm doing right. the Empire. I'm doing the Empire. Yeah. In, in the box. Yeah, we haven't uh, really talked about it with you guys at all recently, but um, Shane and I have recently gotten into Star Wars Legion. So I picked up the Republican Separatist box. He uh, managed to procure a uh, a Imperial and Rebel box, and I've yeah. been able to play it a few times now, and I love the way it plays. I haven't even played a game yet. Um, I, I've like read over the rules a couple times. But uh, it's not for me. It's like until I play something, it's not really like yeah. set in my brain. So I I need to get those guys built up and actually like get a game in. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually that point, yeah. I actually went and got uh, a few more boxes outside of just the starter set for the clones because I'm just going all in on the uh, on the Galactic Republic. I got a clone trooper or not clone trooper? Geez, uh, clone Captain Rex. Okay. He's really, really good at just like tossing out like not really like aura buffs, but just like tossing out abilities to other clone troopers. Um mm-hmm. and then I picked up two uh phase two clone trooper boxes that kinda help fill out like eventually getting up to an eight hundred point like list. So I'm just all in on the clones and I like I feel kinda bad because I'm like, oh cool, I'm playing another faction in another IP that is just dudes in armor. Yeah, you really should have gone for the uh for the droids, man, I'm telling you. I'm I might at some point. I just, I just love the droids. I just can't I, I can't relate to them. <laughs> I think that's the issue. I have an easier time relating to uh I don't know, like a a human face to a human. You've watched than, that, uh, that Clone Wars thing, man. Oh, those, yeah. Those I they have plenty of character. They they definitely do. They <laughs> got a lot of personality, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is not a Legion podcast, so sorry, guys. No, we'll not yet. On. Not yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Le- Legion seems cool. I'm excited to actually p- play some games of that. Mm-hmm. Um, How much of, like- your, uh, of, your, uh, of the Imperials have you gotten built? Not a lot. I mean, I've probably got like eight to ten models built, and I still okay. haven't done the speeders. Yeah, I've got Vader built, of course. That was where I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have to. I have like um, the speed, the two speeders. I think there's two of them, and mm-hmm. uh, like a handful more of tro- probably like four to six more troopers, and then I'll be set at least from from what you get in the box. And I haven't really looked at other boxes, so yeah. It's yeah, got. I don't even. There's a lot. There's a lot of models in that game. Yeah. I'm really impressed with what they've been able to fill out. And like, feels like two years ago the game launched or something. And there's just so many options now. Yeah, the game. I feel like it's been out for longer than that. I don't it, know. It's, it probably uh, has. It's a pretty popular game in our area. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, uh, I mean. So, so what are we talking about today, Ryan? Now, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so uh, I guess we can start with uh, you recently uh, TO'd a Kill Team tournament. Yeah, yeah, we had our first, uh, one of our first tournaments here in, in Rochester. First one that I've TO'd. Mm-hmm. And 
it was uh, we had 10 players, I believe, which uh, I was happy with. We had more terrain than we needed, and we had a bunch of Octarius. Yeah. So we had, I think, six or seven sets of Octarius ready for us, and then we had a couple extra Chalmath sets that we didn't use um, because we were using the the London Wargamers uh, um, Octarius terrain layouts. So we were able to, because we had so much uh, Octarius, we were able to make it so that the um, each table had the same exact terrain layout for every match, which was one of my goals for the tournament. I really wanted to have that consistency on every table so that, you know, somebody wasn't winding up on a weird board different from everyone else and, mm-hmm. and getting like screwed over or something. Um, and, and that's like one of the harder things to do as a TO, I think, is, is getting that. So I, I was very fortunate and lucky that there was plenty of people in our community, even people that weren't able to make it to the tournament, that were willing to pitch in their terrain for the day. Um, so shout out to those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a fun event. I mean, Ryan, you played in it. Yes, I, pl- so. I played in it. Did I do yeah. well? Eh. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> no, but um, a bunch of our friends, uh, Janice came up uh, yeah. from down south. All the way up to uh, to you know little, little Rochester just to play. Um, uh, Sean was there, Cole was there, and then there were a bunch of other local kill team players there as well. So it was a fun time. Yeah, um, and Cole and, you know, came in of... second, which is wild. Oh yeah, yeah. Janice, I was so happy about that. Janice came in first uh, with the Wormblade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cole came in second with the uh, with the Legionnaires, which I was surprised by. I know Cole's a good player, but you know we've we've we were kind of down on the on the Legionnaires, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, about half. I think we had four Legionnaire players and then one Death Guard. So it's like half of the players at the tournament were were just running like elite, like chunky elite teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool seeing the Legionnaires because it wasn't just Legionnaires. It was like every one of the four Legionnaire players was playing it differently. Yeah. So you had Cole, who plays second, who was pretty much running almost exclusively Slanesh. I think he did have some uh, some Zinch or Nurgle. Uh, like he, in most of the games, I think in two out of the three games, he ran six Slanesh, which was just crazy. And then we had uh, another guy, I think Dave, was running a, a mix of Corn and Nurgle. Um, and then there was another guy who was doing a mix of Slanesh and Zinch. And then there was another guy... Every game he ran a corn butcher and five undivided, and it was just like everyone was doing something different. Yeah, and uh, that's cool. And Cole with his slanesh tech that that I did not think of, um, he was doing some cool stuff with that that we can yeah. talk about a little bit. Yeah, we do you want to dive right into that right now? Because I think it was really interesting, and nobody was really, really like talking about like the sort of things that he was doing with that faction. Yeah, because everybody was kind of down on Slanesh. And I'm not I'm not here to say that like Slanesh is like the secret way or that like I, I don't have any conclusive opinion on yeah. Legionnaire. I know it's very I mean hotly debated. Yeah, I'll come out and like I mean you've heard it on our content, you know, we've been down on Slanesh. So Yeah. I mean as far as like the um the marks go, because that's what everybody argues about. Mm-hmm. Um and everybody was I think Slanesh was the one that people were most down on. And Cole showed up playing Slanesh. And he kept talking about how much he loved the extra movement. And I was like, okay, yeah, but, you know, corn seems pretty good. 
Um, but what he was doing, and his and I saw it in his first game, and he did it in the second game too, was he took the Slanesh um, uh, models and he ran the Shrive Talon, which is the guy that if you fight him, he fights first. And when he kills something, he can like give a, a an enemy model nearby minus one APL. And what he would do is like on Luton Salvage, he was playing against Novitiates, and he charged a Novitiate model. Gave, he used the one CP Slanesh tactical ploy to give that model one minus one APL so that they couldn't fall back from him. And then he wouldn't fight them. He would just stand there on the objective with three APL to their one and, and loot the point. And they couldn't fall back because they only have one APL. And they couldn't fight him because he gets to attack first. So it would be like suicide. Um, and if something else came over to try and stop and like help out, he would kill that first thing and then give that thing a minus one APL for free. And it was just like, it was so funny to watch. And then he did it again in the second game and he didn't get to do it in the third game. But I remember seeing that and I was like, holy crap. I was like, I've never thought about that interaction. Yeah. And, and how much of a pain in the butt that is for like a two APL team. Uh, I ran uh, Veteran Guard, I think, including the three games that I played at that tournament. I've played five games with Veteran Guard now. And uh, they're. I mean they're good. I'm just I'm just bad at kill team. Um <laughs> I my first game was I I forget my opponent's name, but he was playing commandos, super cool guy. I think we got to like the top of turn 3 and we went to time though unfortunately. I I was able to pick that one up. I pretty much just took the same uh tac ops. Well, it didn't really work out that way because it was random draw. Almost the same tack ops every game. I was, I subbed in just like um, I forget the name of it. It's like hold ground or something, and then whichever one is um, you get points at the end of the game if more of your models died, but you were ahead on primary points oh, or something. Yeah. Um, Glory and death is it? Yeah, that sounds like it. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then um. Whichever the other one was, the it was it was the not bad veteran guardsman tack up. I was yeah. I was shooting for those um every every game trying to make sure that I would get those um and it worked out pretty well with the commandos. It worked out fine. Um, his he almost got me with the bomb squig. He almost took out three models. Oh. Like three or four models with his with his bomb squig. He killed he killed two of them. But then my confidant, I think, just like took it on the chin, um, and then oh. and then my demo specialist was like just outside of the blast radius of the demo squig, so the demo squig blew up, and then actually that wound up give, the the bomb squig was like on top of an objective when it happened, and I had taken the uh, the security tack up where it's like I score I score a point for. Uh, if like two models die within circle of two separate objectives or whatever, protect assets. Yeah. And yeah. so when the bomb squig went off and did that, that actually scored me that secondary, and that felt oh. that, that felt really grimy informing him of that, like when we were doing scoring and everything. Um. Yeah, just super weird. Don't ever take the bomb squig. I think is the moral of the story yeah. here. It's you just the, it's not for, good for such a like. A model that literally has to die for you to use it, you think it would at least be like AP two, you know? Yeah. Or have like five attacks instead of four. Yeah. I feel like it's just so restrictive. 
needlessly, needlessly restrictive, especially when you look at the opposite side of the Actarius box, where uh, that team can just get everything and they can run almost everything they want without yeah, nearly I mean, any limitations. Compare, yeah, if the if the comparison of the bomb squig for Vetguard is the demo, I mean, it blows it out of the water. It's not even literally, close. literally. <laughs> yeah, my second game. Uh, I played against Janice um, running the Wormblade. Janice is a uh, is definitely miles ahead of me in terms pretty of good. skill. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's pretty pretty good. Um, but yeah, the uh, the she was running the uh, the the sniper and of course the uh, Keller morph. And between those two models, on I felt like on that on that terrain, I just couldn't do anything to, mm-hmm. to I, like i just felt like i couldn't counter her and her models oh and also like my i took the i took the the four trooper veterans the ancillary support every single time as you should i gave three of the four uh crack grenades literally every game in that particular game i think only all three of them managed to throw their crack grenades i believe but only one of them actually killed a worm blade model and i'm not talking about like the fancy specialist i'm talking about just like joe schmo with an auto gun only yeah. one of them managed to kill so that felt bad and definitely put me behind and then it it got to a point where i made some probably some pretty poor charges trying to get a big point swing on primary and it just didn't happen my last game i played against sean and this was a bit of a grudge match because we had hung out at his house to get in a couple of kill team games, you know, leading up to this tournament. Um, and I was I was practicing with the vet guard, and he was running Tyranids. In this game, um, instead of doing what he did the last time we had played of, like, running three warriors and then filling out the rest with gene stealers, um, he ran all gene stealers this game. Mm-hmm. So being able to move up all the models that he wanted essentially um in conceal and just kind of like swarm me by turns two and three uh was a huge advantage for him but i think turn two he had made some mistakes with his positioning i think but i just was not able to capitalize on them that turn turns three and four i i honestly like he i think we both felt that like i had the game in the bag bottom of turn two just because of the board state but then turns three and four my like i didn't hit i didn't kill anything shane i had yeah i I had his his interloper got away yeah his interloper got away oh and that interloper who was on he was on like like three or one wounds remaining or <laughs> turns three and four, I think. And I had shot the spotter with like the mortar barrage into that model uh, twice on both of those turns, turns three and four, and it just didn't kill him. And I'm just like, are you freaking kidding me, man? Yeah. And then um, I had taken like plant banner or something because I tried to be cheeky with it and sneak um, my confidant kind of around towards like the top of the board from my perspective. And he just like incidentally just like had an opportunity to kill him and like, like literally one tapped him in melee, like got a Ugh. crit through and that just immediately killed him. And I'm just yeah. like, jeez, Cause he, uh, before that game, 
I think it was like earlier in the tournament, he like was talking to me on the side, uh, telling me that that he had this cool plan if he had to play against you because you were the only vet guard there. Mm-hmm. Where he was like, I'm gonna take sighting talons on my gene stealers. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to pop feed so that way I can, as long as I'm critting, I can one shot them. Yeah. That's exactly what he was doing in that game. And that's exactly uh, what happened turns two and three. And I yeah. was just rolling like absolute garbage. So that's the way it went. It was a fun tournament. Uh, the next tournament is in the works within a few months, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so really looking forward to that. And who knows what, what is even in this game in three months from now. Uh, we'll have the new box. I mean, we'll have That's right. probably another White Dwarf team or two. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, though. I mean, in general, uh, the tournament was a total success. I'm really happy with how it went. Um, it was. Uh, it seemed like everybody had a, had a pretty good time. Um, Janice came all the way up and, and just tore us apart. Our, our poor little Rochester. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I was comparing it to like the... Um, in in like Dragon Ball Z, when the Saiyans show up on Earth and they just crush everyone, that's oh, yeah. what it felt like. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a fair comparison. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, obviously I was teoing, so I, I didn't get the chance to play against her. And uh, there's another guy in our in our scene named his name is Douglas, a really good vet card player. He won the last yeah. tournament in Rochester, and he was also not available for the tournament. So I mean, um, I think we I think we could have. Uh, you know, at least one of us maybe would have would have given Janice a run for her money. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, but she's an excellent player. And, yeah, uh, very good performance. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, outside of you know our, our little our local stuff. There was a few um, big tournaments uh, this past weekend that I think we should talk about because you know competitive kill team is kind of like our our thing. As it turns out, um, and uh, there there was two, there was one like major size tournament over in Spain that I want to touch on, and there was um, the Seattle Open. Oh yeah, uh, that, that happened. I mean, in Seattle, obviously, but it was the first of the GW tournaments that are going around right now. And then there was a another decent sized RTT over in Brooklyn. And uh, also, we'll start with the Brooklyn one. I've, I've got it pulled up right now. Uh, first place finish for uh, the veteran guard, uh, Rami Sherman, uh, took first. I think he was, he made top 16 at KTO. That name sounds familiar to me. And then uh, a second place from Wormblade, George Schapter. This is, this is those Brooklyn Rats people yep. that, that we interviewed. Not the same people we interviewed, but, you know, that, that Brooklyn Rats. Uh, yeah, group. that same scene. And then we had a third place from from Void Dancers. Void Dancers, who are, uh, if you haven't heard, I mean, you know, the most overpowered team, as everybody knows. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why they're coming in third. (laughs) Right behind, Uh, oh, what's that? Beckard and Wormblade, Wormblade? yeah. That's that's weird. That almost lines up exactly with our tier list. Anyway. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Open, the Seattle Open, because this was a five-round tournament, uh, I believe, which is, uh, I mean, there was 18 play- 19 players, but it was like day, there was like a day one and a day two, Saturday and Sunday. I wish that we had one of these on the East Coast, because we have the Chicago one, but I mean, that's, that's kind of far from us. It's literally, literally the Midwest. 
yeah, that's that's not uh, not a not a East Coast at all. Um, but it's easily the closest to East Coast. Everything else is pretty much like either in the middle of the country or West Coast. But yeah, we had a podium of Legionary in third, uh, Walter Gare, Gar, Gary Gar. Uh, second place was Novitiates, uh, Tyler Johnson, and then in first place we had Chris Baki playing Novitiates, not not that card what he's known for, but. Uh, Novitiates. This was really the weekend of Novitiates, as we'll we'll get to. And I think um, this probably we could probably have a conversation about that team. Congrats to to Chris. Chris is a really good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to play him at KTO, and I've also played with him on the in the TTS realm a few times. He is uh, very good, but I've never played him. Uh, I've never seen him play anything other than Blackguard. But um, he's doing quite well with the Novitiates. Apparently, and then of course we have this major in Madrid. They had fifty players this past weekend. Bruh, crazy! That's crazy. so many. Um, and they had a, a podium third place. They had Veteran Guard, played by Guillermo Diaz, uh, and this was a five-round tournament as well. Um, uh, second place they had Ruben Lazarest playing. Uh, it says Craft World, but I'm positive that this was actually Void Scarred. Uh, and he went, uh, he actually didn't lose. He went four wins and a tie, oh. um, which has got to be like the best Void's Guard performance we've seen so far. Yeah. Unless, I'm, unless I'm forgetting a, uh, an event. Um, really impressive. Honestly, did not. I still don't think <laughs> Void's Guard are very great. No. But um, uh, very, very impressive performance from, from uh, Lazarus there. And then in first place, we have a uh, shocker. Spoiler alert. It was Ace. Uh, and again, though, not playing Vetgard. Novitiates? Playing Novitiates. Mm, interesting. He went, uh, yeah, he went 5-0. and Very similar to what happened over here with Chris. A, a very good Vetgard player picks up Novitiates and uh, just kind of wins. And you know what? I actually am forgetting one other tournament. There was a 16-player tournament over in London um, that was actually won by Voidscard. So I guess I suppose that would be the best. I mean, he went three wins and a tie for first place. Gotcha. Uh, and the other podium was uh, Pathfinders in second place. Mark Amos. Amos. We interviewed him. Yeah. Command Point UK representing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Guy Barton. And it says Craft World. I'm going to assume it's White's card. I, I don't know that for an absolute fact, but I'm I'm assuming that it is Craft World. But uh, or sorry, I'm assuming that it's White's card. Aside from that, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about Novitiates because they are, you know, one of the three teams in our, you know, little trifecta S++ tier on the tier list. And they're doing pretty good. They're doing very good. And I mean, I, it's not like it's a total shock because I think everybody kind of knows that they're this good. Um, but now it's like really... I mean, they're 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 winning majors in in like two different continents on the same day. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, I mean, their their faith abilities are absolutely crazy. They're probably one of the teams that that the developers are looking at as far as the balance data slate goes. Um, that card being like the obvious one, and uh, maybe the void dancer nerfs or. Uh, Void Dancer cries are, are going to result in a nerf somewhere, but um, Novitiates, I would imagine, is probably under the scope right now, <laughs> if I had to guess. And 
for me, if, if it was up to me and I had to make that decision, I think the first thing I would look at is the blinding aura feasibility that basically if you're concealed and somebody tries to shoot you and they're not within two inches of you, you just spend two faith points and they can't shoot you. Basically is how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems way too good to me. Especially with how easy it is to get faith points. Yeah, that's true. But isn't there a way that you can kind of get around that by kind of like baiting that out from the novitiates player? Like if you I can, lock, yeah. yeah, so like there is like you can interact with that. It's not just a straight up nope, you can't shoot this model for the rest of this turn. Well, it's for that activation. So yes. the only way to really get around it, I think, is to put yourself in a position where you can shoot multiple models. And then you declare one, and then they blinding aura, and then they your points get refunded, and then you just shoot the other one. Gotcha. Still though, I think it should probably be three faith points. Um, yeah, it, it is a bit obnoxious to I, play. Against. I think that is that is fair. Because I mean, the the alternative to that would be, you know, like a to- they need to revamp the whole faith point system, and I don't think they're going to do that. No. Um, but but as it is right now, with how easy it is to get faith points, that one stands out to me the most, the blinding aura. And then the other thing I think you could probably touch on is the one equipment point auto chastiser that is, uh, it's one equipment point, which is so cheap, and it's just, cease- you basically get ceaseless on that model. But you uh, if you reroll into a one, which rarely happens, um, then you take a mortal wound, you take one mortal, which is basically nothing. Yeah. Um, it's weird to me because uh, I was saying, um, in a cyber conversation earlier that this is the team that has the most access to rerolls in the whole game, and they have a one equipment point thing that lets them reroll ones. Um, yeah, you can kind of see why top level players are kind of gravitating towards this faction. Yeah, I just don't know why they have that specifically. Um, I, in in because of the flavor, you know, Shane. It's the flavor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so odd because these are like they're novitiates. They're they're not even full battle sisters. They're just like wow, shots fired. Why are they so good? Um, like at least the vet guard, they're called veterans. You'd expect you'd expect such, you know performances but the novitiates like the rookies yeah i mean i guess with the auto the two things basically is what i'm getting to is the blinding orange probably three faith points and i think that the chastiser should probably be two equipment points yeah and uh, outside of that i mean it's just i mean they have crack grenades uh every team that can take crack grenades usually takes crack grenades I think more than any faction nerf, I just want to see crack grenades get nerfed. I think that's fair, yeah. I because there's there's so many so yeah there's so many instances where it's like, you know, if crack grenades like weren't in the equipment list or weren't, I guess like I mean it's still like three equipment points for most teams for crack grenades. Yeah, for all teams. But like, I think. but like if they weren't so good, like take take like something away from them that way you can see all like the faction specific equipment kind of have an opportunity to shine or have players like take a second glance at their equipment list because right now i can't list anything off of the 
vet guard equipment list. Yeah, I mean, crack grenades. I mean, AP1 damage 4-5, hitting on threes with indirect is just, like, uh, outrageous. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Why is it so good? Uh, and then, I mean, you give it to certain factions, like vet guard, where they normally, their guns hit on fours, but these crack grenades hit on threes, and they're stronger, and they have indirect. I think uh, throughout the tournament, there was probably, like, two times where I actually fired a las gun, which is freaking insane. I mean, that profile with take aim, I mean, that, that's, that's going to be performing about as good as, like, your plasma if you're able to shoot it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's pretty insane. It's, it's a very, very good weapon, probably too good. It's probably something that should be just, like, flat nerfed in some way. I, Probably just shouldn't be so much damage. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you do to it. But like for, for me, it's the three up ballistic skill. That too, because uh, it's like awesome. why is why are why are these veteran guardsmen better at throwing a grenade than they are shooting their own las rifle or their own las gun? That doesn't make I think any what makes sense that to me. Weird. What makes that weird is that like if you just make it four up ballistic skill, then it's like you have to specify that for a vet guard because then it's like otherwise you know marines are hitting on fours with it. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It would be what I'm saying is, it would have to be faction by faction. Like Marines, yeah, of course they're gonna be they're gonna be hitting on threes because they're Marines. They hit on threes with everything. Yeah, I just don't think they'll ever do that. I think they would rather just do the easy thing rather than go and sort through each team. Ah, uh, okay. So I don't know, maybe. Um, I bet they just they just like make it more expensive or like change the damage or something. I don't yeah. Know. Or limit the amount that you can take to like two or something. Maybe I don't know. I, I mean, know. If, I think we've actually, given you a lot of players, options here, Games Workshop. <laughs> actually, I think most Vatcar players only take two because they'll take the Rosarius. Oh yeah. Um, so I don't even think that would change much. And I, I mean, Novitiates only take two because the stupid chastisers are so good that you actually <laughs> you're willing to drop a grenade. Yeah, though, uh, Novitiates very good. Crack grenades very good. Um, Void Scarred. I mean, yeah. I uh, I kind of agree with that with that noise you just made. Yeah, uh, they're fast. They are fast. I uh, I mean, I'm there. I can say that for sure. They are a really fun team to play, and clearly, some people are having success with them. I mean, second place in a major, yeah, is, is very impressive. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that probably had more to do with the player than the than the faction itself. Yeah. I just see them as having a lot of gaps, I think. Yeah. Like well, noticeable I'm... things. Like yeah. only nine models, only one gunner. They just they're they're missing something for me, and I don't really know what it is. It's the ability to run the heavy gunner in the team with the regular gunner. That's what it is. Yeah, I kinda wish it was that. Plus like 10 operatives instead of 9. I don't know why they have only 9. I think, honestly, if I had to guess, my theory is that I think the Voids card do pretty okay into Legion, Legionnaire. Mm-hmm. And I think when they had 10 operatives, they were probably doing a little too okay against Legionnaire. And so they dropped them to 9. Yeah, that, that makes sense. My takeaway is I wish that Pathfinders were released with Legionnaires. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't be so <laughs> yeah yeah maybe uh is there anything else regarding kill team that we really wanted to cover 
No, I don't. I don't really think so. Honestly, I think okay. we we hit all the marks. Cool, cool. Well, there is one thing that I want to do, Shane, before we get out of here. Sure. So I am hyped for the uh, new Horus Heresy uh, line that's basically getting like a a reboot, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically because the starter set, which comes with. <clears throat> Uh, two Legion Praetors, a Contemptor Dreadnought, a Spartan Assault Tank, 10 Terminators, and 40 Tactical Marines, plus the rules, plus all the accoutrement that you need to play Horus Heresy. It has been confirmed in a recent Warhammer Community article that that box is going to be releasing for less than $300 US. I have absolutely no idea how they're able to do that in this economy, um, <laughs> frankly. So I am most definitely picking it up just because it is such a fantastic deal. And, of course, all the models are totally, totally beautiful. But I do have an issue, Shane. And the issue is that I don't know what what Space Marine Legions I want to paint up this box set as. Because what I want to do is I want to paint up half as a traitor legion, and I want to paint up the other half as a loyalist legion. And then maybe if I really like the game, I and like I actually have more time to paint models, I can like build out the collection and have two full complete armies so that like so that I can play, and then you know you come over, you can play whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know what what I want to paint them up as. I can tell you. you (laughs) suggestions <laughs> i i yeah so i'm basically like i'm basically asking you for suggestions yeah so the thing is all right um there's there's some rules so i can't i don't want to paint up either of these factions um to have black armor so like okay. raven guard dark angels at this time were wearing black armor um who else is in there oh iron hands yeah iron hands I, which is a shame because I really like the Iron Hands. So why not? Why don't you want to do Black Armor? Because, Shane, I'm painting up Black Templars for Warhammer 40k. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I don't want to paint any more Black Armor. I don't want to just spend like a year or like three years painting just Black Armor doing the same. Okay. Okay. So I want to do a, a Loyalist faction that isn't bla- that isn't black in color um for the armor and then for the right now for the the traitor side of things i'm leaning towards just the sons of horus because that kind of like dark jade green color looks so good it looks so okay. good on the Viki marines but yeah so so what do you think what do you, what are your suggestions uh well I know I mean for you personally I know you oh no ultramarines too no yeah, ultramarines either you have a bunch of ultramarines so I mean let's just rule out blue as well yes I think um I mean Sons of Horus is like a I mean that's a that's a really good choice for sure I mean that's like the the most Horus Heresy thing you can you can have yeah for sure um my personal bias I love Emperor's Children yeah. I mean, I, that that would be my pick as far as traitor legions go. Outside of that, for the loyalists, though, I mean, 
Blood Angels are pretty sick. Those are pretty cool. They are. Um, I agree with you about Iron Hands, and I and I get why you wouldn't want to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Horus Heresy. There's just like it's an odd like landscape of of factions because they are so like like physically similar <laughs> to one yeah, another. Literally, ninety five percent of the factions in the game are are Space Marines, after all. So. They can't really all be that different, I don't think. I've never played it, and I haven't gotten a good look at the rules, but... Yeah, so... Oh, Imperial Fists. Dude. Yeah, That's I know. That's a good one for Yeah, but painting yellow. True. I mean, I mean I, that is also a good it, answer. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm good at painting yellow now, though, actually, but... Maybe. Maybe I will do that. I don't know. It was... I think I was leaning either towards... I was leaning towards, like, Blood Angels. Mm-hmm. Honestly. But... Pick up know. the same Gladius. <laughs> Yo, actually, I was looking at that at that model. When that first came out, I thought it, I thought the pose on it was kind of weird, but I guess he's supposed to be, like, <clears throat> like, leaping down at someone or something. It does look a bit odd. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. Um, Sanguinis is cool though. Um, he is. He's he's a pretty based Primarch. Yeah, though. I mean, I, I guess my uh, my favorites is Emperor Chil- Emperor's Children. I, I think they're very cool. I like the I like the purple. Yeah. Um, the one thing that was holding me back from that is um, is that Cole, who I play 40k with all the time, he runs Emperor's Children. Ah. So it's like <laughs> there's already enough purple in my life. I think I, I think I will wind up doing the chaos half or the chaos half, the traitor half as um Sons of Horus. Because that's not even like a thing in in um Warhammer forty thousand. Yeah. Like they're just not a thing anymore. It's, it's the lore. I'm I'm almost finished I'm with all book about two. the lore. Yeah. Book two of uh of, of um the Horus Heresy False yeah. Gods. I got it queued up on uh on Audible. Oh, have you finished Rising? I have not yet. But I'm I'm reading through it now in anticipation for Horus Heresy. Yeah, I've been reading it for a while. I mean, this whole thing was like very convenient for me. <laughs> now I have so much of a a better scope. Um, nice of of some of these legions. Uh, and Horus Rising is phenomenal. I really liked it, um, and I'm enjoying uh, False Gods right now. What's cool about False Gods is that you really get more of an insight, not an insight, but I mean, you get introduced to a lot more Primarchs mm-hmm. uh, in the second book. Like, I think you really only see Horus in the first book. And then in the second book, it's like Magnus is there. And like, actually, Sanguinius is in the first book briefly. But like, book two, you've got like, like Fulgrim and the World Eaters guy, whose name I forget, and Magnus. And, you know, there's all this stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, the boys are back in town. Yeah, it's uh, it's a cool series. There, those books are good. I mean, I want to read the first three, and then like after that, I I don't really know yeah. how much more I'm gonna because the first three are like that's like the, main the reading order, right? It's like yeah. the first three, or is it like the first four? Because I know book five is like literally titled Fulgrim, and it focuses on him, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the first three are the main. It's like a trilogy thing, and then after that, gotcha. it kind of diverts into yeah. all sorts of different angles and, and storylines, yeah. which is cool. But uh, yeah, 
And then they all kind of coalesce with the Siege of Terra series, I think. Which I did listen to the first. I think it's like called like the Saturnine War or something. Or the Solar War. I think that's the first book in the series. I listened to that. Um, wasn't really the biggest fan of it. But there's there's a lot of plot plot points that they're all trying to like kind of bring together, I guess. So mm-hmm. it's more like a housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. More like a yeah. housekeeping book. But I'm excited to listen to more of the Horus Heresy on uh on Audible. Uh Amazon, please sponsor us. <laughs> We'd be great. I want to do an Audible ad reading so bad. But yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Command Point Podcast, Shane. So thank you guys all for listening and tuning in, whether it be on, you know, whatever podcasting app you're using or on YouTube. Don't forget to uh, like, comment, and subscribe if you're listening to this on YouTube. You know, like, leave a rating, and subscribe on on those other podcasting apps. Feel free to go ahead and check out our Patreon, um, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get uh, some more extra content as our as a show of appreciation. But yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we hope to see you in the next one.